This is uh, Room 64, a podcast from Bowen Health about palliative care. My name's Christine Brooks, and I'm sitting here with uh, Dominic Black. Hello. <laughs> and uh, so we're here today uh, talking to Melanie Davies, a clinical nurse consultant with the Bowen Health palliative care team, and uh, she's responsible for developing educational programs about palliative care for Bowen Health. The message I guess we want to get out from within palliative care is that palliative care is everybody's business, has been one of the slogans that's run over the the last little while. And it really is. If we look at 100 years ago when people were dying, who was looking after them? It was their families, their friends, their communities, their networks. There might have been a doctor or a nurse in the mix. There might not have been. There may have been a doula. And then we've sort of medicalised dying, and dying has become business. You know, it costs a lot to have a funeral if you follow the, the conventional pathway. And, it, you know, I think what we've done is we've made it into an area for experts. And the problem is now, of course, in the public system, we've got to pay those experts, we've got to pay to have beds, we've got to have space for these people to be who now believe that dying is something you do in hospital... And, you know, we don't have the space for that. So as we move forward, we're going to have to actually move back. We're going to have to go back to that time where we looked after our dying at home, or at least for part of their care. You know, the end-of-life care might be in, an, in a facility, but a lot of it will be done at home. So do you think that that's an area that Barwon Health and the McKellar Centre Palliative Care team are getting their head around and doing well Yeah, yeah, I think as a team, we're already out there spreading that and doing that. Um, You know, we have 200-odd patients in the community, and that's just the Barwon catchment. That doesn't include the sub-region that we're a part of. And we've got nurses and doctors and allied health and supportive care out in homes, not just doing the work, but empowering the people to do the work. And that's, I think, where our strength really lies. What What do you mean by that? empowering the people to to do the work? Ultimately, we want to go in and provide education, support, planning, so that families can care for the people that they love. And that might be um, things like getting an occupational therapist to teach someone how to move someone in the bed and to be able to care for them and wash them and do all of those nice things. Um, It might be about... um, linking people in with support networks so that they can start, you know, developing their their social and physical care Um, because it's hard for people to ask for help. So we want that's part of the empowerment that we need to do is to say it's okay to ask for help and you can ask from the health professionals but you can ask from your neighbour and you can ask from your local community. Do you have a sense that it's an easy place to take people to? I think we're getting there. (laughs) I I think that there's still a cohort of people that think that you can only get good care if you're in the four walls of a hospital where there's a buzzer and a doctor, you know. Um, But if we look at care of the, the terminally ill and care of the dying, it's holistic care. And there is actually sort of more value in some of the other things that we can teach people to do. I remember when mum was at home, at her home, you know, I was sort of saying, I'm sick of people, you know, coming to the front door. And I remember one of the nurses saying to me, you know what, it's okay to put a note on the front door. And I thought, oh, really? I can put a note on the front door saying, mum's asleep, come back later, which is ridiculous, really. 
but her words saying that sort of gave me permission that it was okay to to do that so great example really you know can we talk a bit about dying and um the kind of cultural attitudes towards dying so how would you characterize how people gen i mean generally how we how we deal with dying in this society well, it's funny because if I go back to the analogy of you go to a party and you introduce, you know, hi, my name's Mal and I'm a nurse and, um, you know, I used to say that I've worked in oncology and people go, oh, that's fantastic. Oh, what great work you do. You know, you must be so proud of what you do. Now I say, hi, I'm Mal, I'm a nurse. And they oh, what's hard nurse? Palliative care. Oh. <laughs> and all of a sudden people just need to go and get another drink because they don't know what to say to you next. Yeah. Um so I think in that aspect, you know, talking about death and dying is, is not popular. It's, it's not what people would call dinner time conversation, although my family, extended family, all have to put up with me talking about it, uh, which is fine now. Um, you know, that's my goal, is that we can talk about death and dying. It, it is, it's something everybody's going to experience at some point, you mm. know. Die, dying's not ever going to be 100% okay because people are going to miss you and you worry about the people that love you and the people that you're leaving behind. So there's always going to be some sort of anguish in that. But palliative care is around controlling symptom, physical symptoms, emotional symptoms, existential distress, all of those things to help, the, help people live well while they're living you know, and then to ease them into death. How did you um, get into this area of work? What drew you towards palliative care and, and this kind of policy? I, I think that I was very fortunate to have a great relationship with my godmother, who was a nurse um, and a fabulous woman who um, developed lung cancer and unfortunately... I spent time with her while she was in a palliative care unit um, and she died there. And I was really fearful and I saw things happen that I didn't understand and I wasn't a nurse at that point. And I saw things like big syringes come in and be put into a box and they looked to be full of what I assumed was just morphine and I had a lot of worry and angst and guilt about whether what they were doing was actually making her die sooner. Um, I worried that I didn't know what to say to her. I worried that if she was in pain, I wouldn't recognise it and wouldn't be able to tell the nurses. I had a whole bunch of things that just ran through my head. My mum and I stayed there overnight and in the middle of the night, even though the lovely nurses were walking up and down the corridor, it felt very scary and lonely and we just sat and listened to her breathe and her breathing would change and we'd get worried and not know whether to alert the nurse and it was just a space that was difficult. Um, I was lucky enough though and I still don't know who this woman was but one of her nursing friends came in at some point and we were sort of doing the changing of the guard because we never left her on her own and she took me aside and said do you know do you know that Susie might die tonight and I thought oh gosh don't don't do that while I'm you know well just mum and I here what are we going to do you know we're in a hospital by the way <laughs> of course people will know what to do um but she said to me it's going to be okay it will be peaceful she's she's very peaceful she's not in pain and she explained to me all of those things 
And then she went over and put her arms around Sue, who was not awake, and spoke gently to her and wished her well and said it would be okay and that it was okay to go. And I thought, wow, like, that's amazing. Like, to be able to be comfortable holding an unconscious person, speaking to them, wishing them well, telling her, Mel and Gail are here for you and, you know, they'll be here tonight and talking to her even though she couldn't answer them. That was something I hadn't experienced before and it's something I absolutely do. I still recall um, as a relatively novice palliative care nurse going out to a home um, with uh, Dr Peter Eastman. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Peter and I went out to a home together and, and the patient that we saw was bed bound and she was laying in her bed. And I guess we sort of in all the the movies and the the things that we see that aren't great role models, the doctor will stand at the end of the bed and peer down at the patient and, you know, talk in clip tones. And, you know, Peter walked into the room quietly but with confidence, went straight to his knees next to the bed so that he was eye to eye with the patient, held her hand and spoke in, you know, a really calm, lovely tone. And I thought, wow, okay, there's the director of palliative care (laughs) or the co-director of palliative care Mm -hmm. on his knees in someone's home and just connecting. I was telling a story and I, I think touch is one of my things. So I was telling the story um, of actually Jill and I going out to a home after a patient had died and providing support and care. And um, we asked the family if they would like us to wash their loved one and, and change pyjamas and beds. And, and they wanted to keep him at home for some more family to come and say goodbye. So it was important to us that he looked the way he should look. So we went about very nicely and, and very calmly and very um, professionally washing the body and I suddenly noticed that the son was sitting at the kitchen bench and watching us intently. The rest of the family had left the room, which is not uncommon actually, but he was sitting at the bench and I suddenly realised this man had been bedbound for quite a while, you know, weeks, probably months, and someone had been doing that care. And someone was the son sitting at the bench watching Jill and I do this. And we realised it and said to him, is this usually your job? Is this what you did for Dad? And he said, yeah. I said, I'm really sorry. Come on over. And we handed it over to him and just gave him a little bit of help. But really it was his role. And that, I think, was just one of those moments where we thought, wow, you know, sometimes we just needed a reminder that our job was to empower, not to do. Um, so it was lovely. He, he did that and then he poured a couple of glasses of whiskey and he <laughs> put Dad's favourite music on and uh, the rest of the family came back in and, you know, it was lovely. But sometimes, you know, it's those little things that make the difference. But Melanie Davis, who's a clinical nurse consultant with the palliative care team at Barwon Health, and great chat, Christine. Oh, how good was that? Yeah, it was fantastic. Awesome. She yeah. was she was terrific. So if you need any more information about palliative care, begin at the Barwon Health website, barwonhealth.org.au. I'm Christine Brooks. And, and I'm Dominic Black.
Thanks for listening. 